Nico thinks that Percy looks neat. <laughs> Munich, Germany, what is good? Let me hear it. <sighs> Thank you so much for coming to the show. Thank you for coming to the early show. I hope your bosses or your professors or whoever needed any sort of excuse for you to come through on a weekday at five was like, yeah, that's okay. So if I've made your life more difficult, I apologize. <laughs> but I very much appreciate you coming here and coming to the show. We're gonna finish up the third story in The Demigod Files. It was very long, so Kelly and I only got through about half of it in Finland. We'll be finishing it up here. It's a good, juicy story, and I'm very excited to talk about it with our guest. So please make some noise for our guest for tonight's show. It's Stephen Parra. <laughs> Hello, Munich. Why don't you tell them about your time in Munich as I adjust my... Uh, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> ...accessories that of course, I of course. only remembered when the music started playing I had not put on yet. Okay. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Your city is very interesting. Uh, I uh, really enjoyed taking public transit from the train. Uh, it was great. I've been walking around and taking pictures of all the cool architecture that I've been seeing. Um, it's really neat. I don't know the names of any of the buildings. Kelly's the architect, not me, but they're very cool. The weather was really nice today, so I sat outside and had some like little slider hamburgers at this place called Flow. No free promos. They're not paying us to say this. <laughs> yeah, but it was really tasty. Like one of them was just like made of goat cheese. They're not paying it. us to say this. We're talking about Percy Jackson. <laughs> okay, hi. So we're gonna finish up the demigod files here now. We've not gotten your perspective on the Demigod Files. So yeah. you were a big fan of the books when they came out and everything. Yeah. But to my knowledge, you had not read them until you were prepping to discuss them on the live shows we've been doing on tour, correct? Correct. When you were going through them and reading them, how did you feel about this one compared to the other two? This one being much more chunkier and a bit more intense. Feels more like pages out of a Percy Jackson book as opposed to the other ones, which felt a little bit more like, ah, here's some extra fun stories with our friends. This one had a certainly different feel to it, at least in my eyes. Yeah, no, I, I do feel it's like it's weird, like reading through like what is a short story and it's there's a very clear chapter break and you're like, OK, so this is where chapter two would start. Right. Yeah, <laughs> keep but going. it has to keep but going because it it's, but its, it's own all story. One story. Um, but they're really cool stories. I really liked them. Having read the original series beforehand, it was actually cool to find these things because they did like fill in little gaps and pieces that bridge the gap from book four to five. So it was really cool mm -hmm. to see that. Did you have the same phenomenon as Kelly where there was something in book five and I'll just have to see how it plays out where you were confused about people talking about something you hadn't heard of or whatever? I'm trying to just say in like the vaguest sense, there was something that confused Kelly because she thought she missed it. I'm wondering if you had that same situation. And then when you read the story, you were like, oh, I get it. Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> Perfect answer. Trapdoor is intact. So let's continue. Where we last left our heroes discussing this story, we had the situation where they had just defeated the big scary bat women people, and Percy was 
hit badly in the shoulder, and then Thalia and Nico were able to bring him back to life with the help of Nectar pouring it on the wound. And now they are trying to make their way towards Melano's cave. That is the next step on their journey. So as they're walking, Percy tries to focus on happy thoughts, his favorite basketball players, <laughs> which of course I have to ask Uncle Rick, who are yeah. Percy Jackson's favorite <laughs> basketball players. I'm very intrigued. I feel like we've already postulated about whose favorite basketball players could be. This book came out in 2010, so there's a lot of interesting names that could be going around. At this point in time, you've got LeBron James starting to be a major player. You've got Carmelo Anthony in the mix. You've got late stage people like Steve Nash getting a little older. True. You still have the Spurs having oh, yeah. a really good run. I know you're a big Spurs guy. Yes. Uh, everyone here is a big basketball fan, as we can tell. <laughs> <laughs> we will continue on. I think Bayern Munich has a basketball team and they're probably okay, but we'll we'll keep moving. So he's thinking happy thoughts. His favorite basketball players, his last conversation with Annabeth, which I think is a very sweet thing for him to add, and also what Sally will be making for Christmas dinner, since this is our classic Christmas story. Oh, yeah. Always important. Always important. Do you have any particular Christmas dinner staples that you look forward to? Yes, being a Mexican person, a lot of what we eat is tamales and mm. enchiladas and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but yes, that's like what Christmas is to me. It's like, you know, the, the whole family gets together. My mom's like one of 10 people. So mm -hmm. it's just this massive potluck, bunch of different Mexican food. But that's like what Christmas is. And it's, it's great. Have I told you the first time I tried to eat tamales and how it did not go well? Yes. Yeah. I. Uh, if anyone has had tamales, they are prepared and they are wrapped in a corn husk. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know this. I was a white kid from New Jersey. They got relocated to Texas. And then first <laughs> Christmas, someone brought in tamales. Christmas tamales. I spent a really long time trying to bite through a corn husk. <laughs> and then I had to turn to one of my friends, Colin Rogg, and I was like, Colin, I feel like I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> what am I doing? He's like, you have to unwrap it. <laughs> I was like, I'm on. <laughs> I didn't know. I was learning. Uh, yeah, for me with Christmas, Joel always makes a nice standing rib roast. And it's really, Ooh. really solid. Puts a bunch of like whole garlic cloves in the mix too. Mm, it's divine. So Percy describes the pain that he is currently feeling from this attack as if a saber-toothed tiger is gnawing at his shoulder. Of course, this yeah. is something that's certainly happened to Percy. Yeah. And it's something that's happened to all of us and we can all relate to. Puts it into perfect perspective. Oh, yeah. Percy's frustrated that he let his guard down and he got hurt, and now he feels like he's dead weight on this quest and that his friends have to drag around his, quote, useless butt. <laughs> Which I get, I can understand, feeling that sort of sadness and feeling like you're hampering the team and not helping them, making sure. everybody's lives harder. Yeah. In an already hard situation. Yeah, and he's got so many quests under his belt now. Like, he kind of knows what his normal contribution should be. Right. And so he's just like, ugh. Mm -hmm. And sometimes he really has big contributions, especially in the break glass in case of emergency type <laughs> stuff. But we might see that he might still be able to do those sorts of things. So as they continue on, they hear some roaring water, and Nico goes, uh-oh. And that's not good. Nico... <laughs> Just his baseline is already kind of bad stuff. If he's going, uh-oh, the son of Hades says, uh-oh. <laughs> that's not what you want to hear. And it turns out that this roaring water is coming from a river, but not the river Styx. This river has ink black water, and it's rushing, and it's creating black foam. It is too wide for them to jump across, and there's no bridge or any other means for them to get across it. Nico curses in ancient Greek, and then he says, the river Lethe, or Leith, I would guess Lethe? I don't know how to pronounce it. I'll ask Dr. Moya. But I've definitely heard of this river before, but since it was not in Hades the video game, I know nothing about the river. <laughs> 
I just know that it exists. You know, it's kind of on brand for this river, actually. What about it? <laughs> oh! <laughs> Anyone who's heard the story, that gets the joke. <laughs> One thing that I did find interesting about Nico saying this is that it said that he cursed in ancient Greek the river Lethe, and it was in italics. So now it is confirmed in the story that sometimes when people say things in italics and it's Greek things, that is cursing in ancient Greek. Sometimes we actually see the words, like when Chiron said de immortales when Campy showed up at the end of mm-hmm. book four. So now it is confirmed if it's Greek and in italics, it's a curse word. <laughs> He says they'll never make it across, but the flower that's guiding them is pointing across it, so they have to do it. Thalia kneels next to the river, trying to see if she can find a way to get across, and Nico cautions her that this is the river of forgetfulness. One drop on you, and it'll make you forget who you are. So a very high-stakes river. Thalia reveals that Luke told her about this place, and apparently there are souls that would come here if they have chosen to be reborn so that they can mm-hmm. forget their previous lives. Yeah, it's the Elysium thing where they're trying to get on the Isle of the Blessed. Oh. So if when they want to get reincarnated to try oh, again, they got to yeah. come here. Because Elysium, what, you had to live three good lives? Yeah. And then, oh, I didn't realize that you completely forgot the previous stuff. Mm-hmm. Is it enough where you remember that you're trying for a three out of three or are you just <laughs> hoping that your instincts stay and you do a good job three times and then the third time someone's like, you've actually already achieved this twice. Be like, I did? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, I'm so motivated. Wow, that was cool. I had no idea. <laughs> I thought I was going to do this two more times. <laughs> Thalia can't think of a legitimate way to use her bow. She was thinking maybe I could shoot my bow across and then have a rope attached to it. Nico explains that that's not going to work. So she asks Nico if he could summon some dead spirits to help. And he says that they wouldn't be able to help them cross the river because running water is a barrier to the dead. Percy overhears this, and he thinks that that is a whack rule. Nico says, look, I didn't make it up. I don't know what to tell you. And I love Rick basically calling himself out so that no one can. If you do something, even if it's something silly, like in the first book, oh, monsters can smell cell phones. It's something where very clearly it's being utilized in the book so that the book is interesting. Yeah. And I like that Uncle Rick basically right away is letting us know, yeah, this is kind of silly. But it would be boring if they just got across, (laughs) seeing that the next significant chunk of this story is, how do we get across? (laughs) And I think that that's something that people forget in some of the discourse around YA novels. And obviously, I, at this point, am more understanding of this. Because I did the same sort of thing when I was doing Potterless. I was very critical about, like, potholes and things that don't make sense. Now, having read more of these and talking about it so much with so many other people— I realized that sometimes things just have to exist so that the book is fun. And mm-hmm. Kelly was showing me some Instagram reel of this guy who was like, oh, this doesn't make sense in Harry Potter, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, yeah, the book would be like six pages long if they did that. <laughs> like, you can't just be like, oh, yeah. Because I think this reel was saying like, oh, Harry should have, Dumbledore should have made one painting and then a tiny little painting for Harry to bring around. And that's something that I even suggested when I first read it. I was like, why doesn't the lockout of Dumbledore in it? Because if Dumbledore is telling Harry stuff the whole time, he doesn't have to figure anything out. And it's boring. That's why they don't do that. It's a book. 
Yeah. Yeah, the people need <laughs> yeah. to realize that these things are bucks. <laughs> so Nico thinks that Percy looks rough and should sit down. Percy says that he can't because they need his help. Thalia points out that he can barely stand, asking how are you gonna be any help if you can't even stand up? And then Percy points out that this is water and it's a water-related problem, so he's best mm -hmm. suited for the job. And that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I was confused because when he said, you need me, I was like, do they <laughs> need you? And then I remember, oh, yeah, water. I didn't yeah. remember until he literally pointed it out. <laughs> Nico's a bit wary about this. Narrator Percy reveals to us that he is concerned as well. He's just not revealing that. And he thinks, okay, I can definitely handle a standard river on Earth, mm -hmm. but I'm not so sure that I'm going to be able to control a magical river in the underworld. So he decides he's going to give it his best shot. He tells the other two to take a step back. He focuses, and the water seems to churn more intensely as if it can sense that he's trying to control it and he doesn't like it. But then he raises his arms. His shoulder hurts immensely, but he just tries mm -hmm. to ignore it. And then he makes the river flow in an arc through the air, making a shape like a rainbow, and that would allow them some safe passage underneath. But I was worried here because even when water is going like that, are there going to be the occasional drips and droplets going down? They said one drop and you're screwed. Feels like a very risky way to do this. Yeah, but you know, sometimes you just got to accept things for the book to be fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. I'm just... The arc itself, I was wondering, yeah. is there a different way that he could have moved the water? Like, w was there some other way that wouldn't be, we have to walk under it? I don't know if there was anything else. But they didn't really describe the lay of the land around it. So it wasn't like, hey, let's try to take these rocks and build something and then we can jump over or something like that. Or I don't know. Yeah. It just felt like if that's the only way, okay. But I was just wondering if, I don't know, maybe the three of them could have workshopped something a little yeah. less risky. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because it's like the thief did have to cross that water on their own right. somehow. You yeah. know, I don't know how or where they did it. Right. Um, unless it's like the underworld doing like some shifty stuff where it's like they have to deal with the river and he didn't. My guess is the thief's friend that we will meet mm -hmm. might have been able to jump over the river oh, because fair enough. we yeah. learn a little bit about this friend. Yeah. So that would be my guess there, but that is a very good yeah. point. So Thalia and Nico are floored that Percy's able to do this. And he tells them to hurry because he can't hold this forever. And they go, and Percy thinks to himself that he can't let a single drop hit them. And I wrote in my notes, uh, yeah, dude, <laughs> you truly cannot. The river is fighting against Percy because it wants to get Nico and Thalia wet. It is trying to achieve its purpose. But they are able to get across. They call for Percy to join them on the other side. He takes a step forward, but he falls, and the arc begins to shake. And he really thinks that he can't do it. Thalia tries to motivate him, saying that he can do it and that they need him. He progresses forward. Now he's in the riverbed itself. His boots are squishing in the mud. I'm very intrigued by him wearing boots. I want to know what boots he's wearing. <laughs> I would hope, for his New Yorker's sake, that he's wearing Timberlands, the official boot of New York City. Do I need to buy Timberlands? It's like uh, it's just like the classic New York shoe. Like the classic New York boot is the Timberland. Classic <laughs> New York sneakers, like an Air Force One. At least when you're talking like uptown in New York, so like mm -hmm. you know Bronx area stuff like that. Timberlands are just like if you're getting a boot, like that's the boot to get. I see. Mm -hmm. I'm not wearing them, but I packed them on this trip. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so I would guess he's wearing Tim's. So I'm very intrigued. Again, these are the things that I care about that no one else does. So we'll move on. <laughs> But halfway across the riverbed, he stumbles. Thalia screams, no, that breaks Percy's concentration. And I can kind of get that because 
sometimes there will be situations where I'm a little clumsy and Kelly mm -hmm. is very thoughtful and concerned for me. And sometimes she'll be so concerned that I'm okay that I get extra worried because I think, oh no, is this looking really bad or <laughs> am I bleeding already or something like that? So I can kind of mm -hmm. get this here. If someone's screaming, no, maybe he thinks, what? Like it's worse. <laughs> like the water was immediately going to crash down on him. Did those demons come back? Oh no. Oh no, not more <laughs> of them. Right. Yeah. Well, why do you scream it about? Yeah. I do it yeah. all, you know. <laughs> But the water then does begin to fall because his concentration was broken. And just before it's about to hit him, he thinks one word, dry, to himself. And I completely forgot about this power. And this is very exciting to me because up until this point, getting dry was something that was just like this neat party trick. It was just, mm -hmm. oh, cool. There's a little fun ability he has where he doesn't have to use a towel after a shower going <laughs> swimming or whatever. But now it's going to become legitimately useful. And I just think that the upgrade from just this neat thing that comes with the territory of being the son of Poseidon now being useful is very cool. And I want to know from Uncle Rick, did he think that it would have some big thing at first? Or was he midway after writing some of the books thinking like, ah, this neat little thing actually could be a big deal. I, I just think it's very fun that that is what ends up saving him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like, I feel like the most interesting thing he did with his dry powers was turning it off so he could get wet in book one. Yeah, like he intentionally <laughs> yeah. let it go away yeah. so we know that he can channel it on and off. And that's how we learned that he can actually take a shower. Right, right, <laughs> yes. The important question is yes. getting answered. <laughs> Percy is surrounded by dark water, but he is thankfully completely dry, and it's very cool. This power comes in handy in a lot of different ways now, but even keeping up this relatively low effort power just requires so much concentration from Percy because of the pain situation that he's in. But he makes his way through, he collapses in front of Nico and Thalia, and he passes out instantly. He awakens to the taste of nectar, but now his eyes feel hot and his ears are buzzing. He says, mm. like a fever, I don't know if when I've had a fever, my eyes have ever felt hot. Maybe I've never had a bad enough fever. Uh, I've never asked anyone in the hospital if their eyes feel hot. Yeah, I was going to say, medical perspective, is this a normal symptom where, you know, you're reading those medicine things and they're like, if your eyes feel hot, you might have a fever. You know, I think I skipped the demigod section in med school, I'll be honest. <laughs> so that's what he describes. He's feeling feverish. Thalia says that they can't risk any more nectar. Otherwise, he may burst into flames. This is just a thing. If the demigods have too much, that's the downside of it. Nico says that they're close asks Percy if he can walk. Percy can see the cave and notes that it is lined with human bones, quote, for that extra cozy feel. <laughs> very, very funny. So I love how they don't really actually check if his memories are back. They're just like, Percy, you might burst into flames. And oh. he's like, yeah, got it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe just by them saying Percy and him not going, what? Yeah. <laughs> did it enough. I also specifically like the human bones, the way he said it as narrator Percy with human bones for that extra cozy feel made me think mm -hmm. like of those old timey commercials or be like human bones for that extra cozy feel. <laughs> Percy says he's ready. Thalia says she doesn't like this and she clutches the carnation's pot. It has just two mm -hmm. petals left, which means time is truly ticking. And Percy then says, quote, a creepy cave, the goddess of ghosts. What's not to like? <laughs> And though he is in pain, his sass persists. 
The cave hisses, almost in response of them talking about it, and it emits some fog. And in the fog is the image of a tall woman with messy blonde hair. And I did find this interesting because mm-hmm. I've always wondered, blonde versus blonde, when do you spell it B-L-O-N-D or B-L-O-N-D-E? So I Googled it, and apparently, according to the internet, you're supposed to use B-L-O-N-D-E when it's a feminine description of it, and then B-L-O-N-D when it's a masculine description of it. But now, apparently, I think people realize it's 2023, and according to some sort of style brand thing, one of those mm-hmm. AP style guide type yeah. things, they said, just spell it B-L-O-N-D no matter what. And I just like that they defaulted to the one fewer letter option <laughs> just to make everybody's life easier. So this one had B-L-O-N-D, so that's that. Uh-huh. So I guess maybe by that time it had already hit that since she's a woman, whatever. Weird that we had that different spelling. Anyway, Percy Jackson. So this woman who is blonde is holding a glass of wine and she's wearing a pink bathrobe. She has a disappointed look on her face and she says, now you come back. Well, it's too late. Percy asks Nico if this is Melano since they're going to Melano's cave Mm -hmm. and Nico doesn't answer because he is also staring at her. Thalia lowers her bow and says, mother? With tears in her eyes, which, oof, 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 oof. oof. We know that Thalia's mother tragically passed away in a car crash, so this is not gonna be the happiest of situations if Mm -hmm. she's correct. The spirit spikes her wine glass and says, that's right, girl, doomed to walk the earth, and it's your fault. Where were you when I died? Why did you run away when I needed you? And Thalia can't bring herself to say anything. She can only stammer. Percy tries to convince her that this isn't an authentic representation of her mother. He says, quote, it's just a shade. It can't hurt you. The spirit says that she's more than that, and Thalia knows it. And at this point, I'm wondering, okay, is this really some sort of trick Or is this actually how Thalia's mother would feel? Or is this some sort of Melano has a hand behind it situation? We will learn that that's the case. But as I was reading this, I was very concerned that Thalia's mom was actually mad at her for being a child. Like, there's nothing that Thalia could have done differently. No way she could have prevented anything that happened. You want to say what you're doing so people in the podcast can understand? Yeah, sorry. You I want just 30,000 people in the first week of listening to be like, what is the noise that my voice denoise software probably deleted anyway? <laughs> so for those listening on the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> for those listening on the podcast, I just knocked on the ground to uh, simulate a trap door. Okay. Uh, basically just trying to tell Mike, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> Got it. Thalia corrects the spirit that she abandoned her. And the shade calls her a wretched girl and an ungrateful runaway. Nico then draws his sword, steps forward, and yells, stop. But then the spirit changes form. And it changes form into a a woman wearing an old school black velvet dress and a matching hat. She's got a string of pearls on, white gloves, and dark hair that's tied back. And then Nico just says, no, dot, dot, dot. Again, if Nico's saying that, you don't want that. Mm -mm. Not good. So I figured, okay, this is probably going to be his mom. It also makes sense with the old school style since Nico is question mark years (laughs) old and was born in the year 19 question mark. So it is confirmed that it is his mom, and she says, quote, my son, I died when you were so young. I haunt the world in grief, wondering about you and your sister. And all he can say in response is, mama, the question mark? Thalia says that it's still her mother, as if the image didn't change. So it's some sort of trick to where Thalia is seeing one thing, Nico is seeing the other. Percy conveniently was able to see it change. I don't know what's happening that he got to see both happen. 
but he realizes that his two friends are just in an absolutely helpless situation. Mm-hmm. And he sees the fog begin to twist around their feet like vines, and the color from their faces and their clothes begins to fade as if they are slowly becoming spirits as well. And I obviously don't know a whole lot about Melano yet, because she's the main character of Hades of the Video Game 2. Ooh. I will ask Dr. Moya to see if she knows anything about Milano's deal, but it's very interesting, even just this brief instance of her in the story, this is a very interesting power, not only to have the thing that kind of changes based on the recipient, but also to like slowly suck away their life force. Very scary situation. Absolutely. And it's like, it's kind of wild because it's like she learns so much about her victims just somehow, you know, she Mm -hmm. knows like their deepest, darkest fear and the thing that like is haunting them, essentially. It's, right. It's really neat. It's something we've seen with monsters where a lot of people know Percy is Percy without being introduced. Mm-hmm. And I can get later on because he's probably gained more of a rep. But yeah. early on in the stories, when people just knew who he was, it was interesting. And I guess that's kind of the thing here is she doesn't necessarily have to study up. Like She isn't doing research on these folks. It's just mm-hmm. a magical ability that lets her see it. And this is where her frustration comes in when it doesn't work for Percy. <laughs> so Percy musters up enough energy to say enough the ghost faces him and changes into her true form. So her right half is pale and chalky white as if she was drained of blood. Her left half is pitch black and hardened like a mummy's skin. She's wearing a golden dress and shawl. Her eyes are empty black voids. And when Prissy looks at them, it feels to him like looking at your own death. Now, this is a very different vibe from what Melano looks like in the... (laughs) preview art for Hades 2, the video game. But this is also a very cool vibe, but way scary. Yes. (laughs) Cool, scary vibe. Yeah. She asks where Percy's ghosts are. Percy says he doesn't have any. And she says everyone has deaths that they regret or guilt or fear. And she demands that he explain why she can't see his. Nico and Thalia are still out of it. Percy thinks of the friends that he's seen die. Bianca, Zoe, and Lee Fletcher. Yeah. Pretty big upgrade for Lee Fletcher <laughs> to be in this tier. And I'm not trying to make a habit for Duncan on Lee Fletcher, but like we met him in the beginning of book four and we didn't see him at all. And then he dies at the end yeah. of book four. It's like, I don't know. Bianca was like a big deal. Zoe, mm-hmm. a big deal. Lee's also in here. Okay. I guess. Rule of threes. You need a third person. But I mean, I think it's easy to make your peace with someone if you just don't know them at all. I don't think Percy ever actually said anything to him. I think Lee was there. I don't know if they ever exchanged words. Wild that they are friends and not just acquaintances. But maybe they did stuff off book that we didn't see. Oh, yeah. They tore know. up that climbing wall together. You know, oh, every yeah. Friday, yeah. They just had an inseparable bonding yes. moment by a campfire. So Percy tells Melano that he's made peace with all of them and that they are not ghosts, but instead they've passed on. He yells for her to release his friends from her trance. He then slashes at her with Riptide. She backs up, and thankfully, this fog spell on Thalia and Nico is broken. Thalia asks what that was. Nico says it was a trick, so I was very excited to learn that it was a trick and not actually what Thalia's mom felt about her. Melano says that they're too late as the penultimate pedal falls, so there's just one left. She says the deal has been struck. Percy asks what deal. She hisses, which Percy realizes is her laughter, which I find somewhat similar to something that I experienced when I moved to France and I went to a soccer game. And instead of Mm -hmm. booing, at least over there, I don't know if this case here, you kind of, I think they whistle instead of booing or maybe they hiss. I know they hiss in 
Texas A&M instead of booing. That's a thing. So I, I just always find it funny when there's like, I, I don't know, I went to a Texas A&M Rice yeah. football game and instead of booing, they hissed, which I was like, okay, that feels a little That's weird. very strange. But I'm pretty sure at PSG games, they whistled instead of booed, which I thought was very strange. And also I didn't know how to whistle. So I stuck with the good old boo when it came time to boo. <laughs> But yeah, it's just funny that Percy has to realize like, ah, oh, why does she keep hissing at moments when she's supposed to be laughing at us? <laughs> I guess hissing is her laughter. So she then gives this vague non-answer about how when Kronos rules, she'll be able to walk among mortals day and night to sow terror, which they deserve. And Percy asks, where's the sword? And where's Ethan Nakamura, who he believes is the thief? And she says that they are close, but that she will not stop them. And at this point in the story is only when I realized that in the beginning of the whole Demigod Files, it mentions this little thing about Percy being an unwitting participant in the quest or an unwitting participant in the creation of this evil weapon for Hades. Mm -hmm. Or I guess not evil weapon, but just Hades' sword. Yeah. And I thought it meant that Percy was going to accidentally play a role where he got tricked into literally making the sword for them. Oh. But now I'm realizing, oh, unwitting part just means... He's on the quest against his will. It's mm -hmm. not necessarily that he has a hand in it. He just didn't want to be on the finding committee for the sword. And now he's appointed to, yeah. you know, head position. Yeah, but would you really rather be writing an essay on A Tale of Two Cities? No, I don't know. Yeah, that was what he was doing at the start. Yeah. And I would rather, eh, I don't know. <laughs> Though it's not fun. <laughs> There's no risk of death or losing my entire memory. The worst case scenario is I get a bad grade on an exam. I might take that over death slash forgetting who I am. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Melano tells Percy that soon he will have many ghosts and he will remember her. Thalia aims an arrow at her and asks her if she really thinks that Kronos wouldn't throw her into Tartarus once he's gotten his usage out of her, which makes sense. Melano growls and tells Thalia her mother was right. She's an angry girl whose only skill is running away. So Thalia, in retaliation, launches an arrow. It has no effect since Melano is just a spirit, just kind of whooshes through her. Thalia says, stupid ghost. <laughs> Percy can tell that she's still pretty shook. Nico looks more stunned, like someone hit him right between the eyes, so he's a bit more dazed. But he's able to mutter that the thief is probably still in the cave. And just after he says this, of course, this flower who only drops petals after daunting lines, <laughs> the final petal of the flower falls. Percy says, too late. And then they hear laughter echo down from the mountain. And a voice says, you're right about that. And... <laughs> Even though this person is evil, and even though we're not supposed to like this person, it's incredible timing from whoever <laughs> yes. this is. And I just wonder, were they waiting? Did they have binoculars? <laughs> Are they just looking, waiting for, okay, where's the, uh, did, uh, did the pedal fall? Did he say uh, too late? I think he said that. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, you're right about that. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So they see two people, a boy with an eye patch, so Ethan Nakamura, and a 10-foot tall man in a raggedy prison jumpsuit. The boy's confirmed to be Ethan Nakamura as they approach. He's holding an unfinished sword in his hands. It's a double-edged blade made of Stygian iron with silver skeletal designs etched into it, which is pretty cool. Yeah. There's no hilt on the sword, but at the base is a golden key, just like what Persephone showed them earlier in the story. So this is certainly the Sword of Hades, the titular Sword of Hades from the title of the story. Mm -hmm. 
The giant man has pure silver eyes with a messy beard and wild gray hair. He looks thin, like he's been locked up for a very long time, but he still looks scary. Now, we've had reference by the evil monsters that the Titan Iepetus would be their new ruler, so my guess was that this has to be him, and we will soon learn that it is. He holds out his hand, and a spear appears, or upspears, and Percy <laughs> thinks Tathalia calling him the piercer, so that would very mm -hmm. much make sense that it's Iepetus, unless, you know, he also has a spear, but pretty good odds of a titan whose nickname is the piercer. If he's holding the spear, mm -hmm. it's probably the guy we're thinking about. He then says, quote, and now I will destroy you. That's a pretty good entrance. Make a cool one-liner in response to something you said. Walk down, make a spear appear, and go, I'm going to kill you. Powerful. Yeah. Ethan stops him, addressing him as master. He insists that they have the sword, so they should just stop and move on. But Iapetus says, yes, yes, you've done well, Nawaka. <laughs> and Ethan says, it's Nakamura, master. <laughs> And he goes, whatever, I'm sure my brother Cronus will reward you. But now we have killing to attend to. This guy is awful. I am not a fan of this guy at all. Can't remember the name. Thinks, ah, yeah, my brother will repay you for your work, I'm sure. Which, like, you can't ever believe that when you're dealing with evil titans. Come on. Ethan reminds Iapetus that he's not at full strength, so they should just go to the surface, summon his brothers, and then flee. But Iapetus gets very upset at the notion of fleeing. He's offended at that thought. The ground shakes as he says this. He screams at Ethan. Ethan then crawls away. The sword falls on some rocks. The piercer screams that he does not flee. He has waited three eons, three eons, to be summoned... <laughs> He wants revenge, and he will start by killing these three demigods. So he points his spear at Percy, and he rushes towards him. Percy is relieved that this guy is not at full strength, because mm -hmm. even in his weaker state, he is one tough cookie. Whew. Percy dodges, but he's still feeling a little bit woozy. Thalia hits this guy with a flurry of arrows in his side, but they make him look more angry and annoyed than hurt, so it's not like they're doing a good job here. Mm -hmm. Ethan tries to draw his sword, but Nico says, I don't think so. <laughs> As the ground opens up in front of Ethan and three skeletons emerge and begin to fight him. I love that Nico's power is basically just, you guys handle this. <laughs> it's so good, it's so good. The sword is still on the rocks. Percy thinks to himself, I need to get to this sword. Thalia and Iapetus continue to battle, but Percy can get the sense that she can't necessarily keep this up forever. So Nico heads towards them, trusting that the skeletons are just going to handle Ethan. Percy is already mm -hmm. ahead of Nico, so he thrusts himself towards the Titan. He hits him in the calf with Riptide, and then Iapetus screams in pain. Iker rushes out from the wound, and then the piercer smacks Percy with his spear and sends him flying towards the river Lethe. And at this point, I realized Greek rivers always are the river whatever, and not yeah. the whatever river. <laughs> it's always the river Styx, yeah. the river Lethe. Why is it always in that order? I'll have to ask a Greek person. Any Greek I, people in the crowd? Anyone come yeah, up from Greece? Uh, yeah. Why do you do your rivers backwards? Just makes it's it all Greek sense. to me. Yeah. yeah. It just makes it sound so formal and fancy. I should yes. start doing that in America, though. I'm like, uh, like oh, I'm going to take the ferry across the river east. Ah. <laughs> Remember when Washington crossed the river Delaware? Mm. <laughs> Iapetus approaches Percy and bellows, you die first. Thalia tries to distract him with an electric shock from her swords. 
There is no reaction though, does not work. I'm wondering, what did she do with Aegis? She's doing a lot of bow and arrow stuff and sword stuff and knife she, stuff. Where's her shield? Did she, she have to she, give that up as being a hunter? I don't know. I think she's just really leaning into the, the ranger vibe. Mm -hmm. I just love Aegis a whole lot. Oh, man. I know Aegis is so cool. So cool. And it's my favorite weapon in Hades of video game. You think anyway. it would have scared him? Like the, the scary symbol? I don't know. I don't know. It's just a good weapon. Anyway, we got to continue. Nico stabs him with his sword, but Iapetus knocks him aside without even looking. So this guy really is tough. Percy's eyesight starts to get spots. So that kind of gives you a perspective of how not great he's feeling. He can barely move, but he doesn't want to move because he's close to falling into the river. And at first he thinks that this is a bad thing, but then he realizes this is actually a great thing. So Percy does what he does best. He trash talks the Titan in order <laughs> to trick him into doing what he wants. He says, quote, you're even uglier than your son. I can see where Atlas gets his stupidity from. <laughs> Not your best work, Percy Jackson. <laughs> Those two taunts don't yeah. even link. One is you're making fun of his looks, and then you're making fun of his intelligence. Yeah. Like, you gotta... But it wasn't a very good trash talk. I get that he's not fully up there. Yeah. He's dealing with pain and stress and all that, but like, come on. Iapetus goes in for a spear pierce. Percy rolls out of the way. He's not sure if he has the strength to pull this off, but he has to try. So he grabs Iapetus by the collar and uses his momentum to thrust them both back into the water. Percy prays that his dry power will work again, and thankfully it does. He's able to hold on to the Titan the whole time and even brings him back ashore. And I wrote in my notes in all caps, quick, convince him to join your team. Because <laughs> if he forgets everything, yeah. you could just very quickly be like, you're my friend and we've been friends forever. <laughs> <laughs> and that we'll little see. sneaker with the eye patch. Get him. Get him. You don't <laughs> like him. You've hated that guy for so long. He's your biggest rival. <laughs> Thalia and Nico stare at Percy in complete wonder, and Iapetus does the same. He calls Percy his lord and asks, Who am I? And Percy says, You're my friend. You're dot 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 Bob. Which <laughs> fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Ethan can tell things aren't going super well. He heads for the sword, but Thalia fires a warning arrow at his feet, saying one more step, and she'll pin his feet to the rocks. A, Ooh. that would hurt. B, very cool warning from Thalia. Ethan heads into the cave of Melano. Thalia aims at his back, but Percy says to let him go. And at this point, I'm thinking, okay, We've let Ethan Nakamura get away a couple of times across the series. This guy better do something good because Percy keeps saving him. And of course you can't say anything and I won't look at your face because spoiler related purposes. But if he doesn't have any sort of redemption, I will be quite perturbed. Percy's let him go away too many times for my liking. Percy isn't sure why he insisted that Thalia not shoot an arrow after him, but he thinks that it might have something to do with the punishment that he's about to receive from Kronos anyway, and he feels bad for mm -hmm. Ethan. I don't know. I don't feel bad for Ethan. He played a major role in Kronos coming back. I know. It's, just, it's very strange. Yes. Nico picks up the sword and is amazed that they actually pulled this off. Iapetus goes, we did. Did I help? Percy smiles and <laughs> says, yeah, Bob, you did great. <laughs> So they take the express route back to Hades, which is Nico summoning a ghost who talked to the Furies, and then the Furies bring them back directly, even though that they are grumpy about Bob being in the mix too, since he is very large. <laughs> Percy just couldn't leave him behind though, especially after Bob healed Percy's shoulder with a single touch, and that is nice because Nico earlier said they need some sort of god-level healing. I would assume Titan healing is in the same sort of tier, so that's pretty okay. sweet. I love that line specifically because he just says, ouchie, and then touches it. Yeah. <laughs> 
I would love to have a bob around anytime I have any sort of injury. Ouchie. Yeah, boom, that'd be great. Especially with the bad medical care system that we have oh, in the yeah. States. Oh, way cheaper than going to the doctor. They get to Hades' throne room and Percy feels wonderful. Hades looks upset. Nico explains the whole story. Before they give him the sword, though, Percy insists that Hades not use this sword against the gods. And Hades' eyes turn into flames of anger, but he reluctantly agrees. Nico lays the sword at Hades' feet. Hades turns to Persephone and says, you defied my direct orders. And I'm very interested by this because we didn't know what Hades' role was in all of this. And we don't know exactly what these direct orders are, but at least we're knowing mm -hmm. that Persephone seems to have been acting on her own accord. And I knew she was being really fishy. So now there is confirmed shenanigans from Persephone. <laughs> Yes, but there is no reaction from Persephone when Hades says this. Hades turns back to Nico and says that he will speak of this to no one. And he eases his stare, but Percy says it's still intense, so it's like easing from steel to rock. <laughs> and there's a lot of that going on in the Demigod Files. In the Clarice story, Clarice told Percy not to say anything. Mm -hmm. Now Hades is telling this to Nico. And in the interviews, there's even times when Annabeth reveals that she thinks Percy's attractive and then tells Rick Riordan, who's now a character in the story, <laughs> telling him, don't tell anyone. He printed it, though, so I don't know... Uh, <laughs> Didn't really seem like it was successfully off he, the record. He told everyone. Mm. Oh. I was wondering, though, if there is a whole lot of don't tell anyone about this. Is that part of the Demigod Files being a spinoff book? Like, is that kind of intentional of if there was something in the main story where they don't talk about it a lot? Is that a weird justification sort of thing where Rick is like, well, yeah, Nico never brings it up because Hades told him not to. That's why no one talks about it, but I'll just have to see how the story progresses. Nico agrees. Hades stares at Percy and says, quote, and if your friends do not hold their tongues, I will cut them out. Percy says, you're welcome, <laughs> which is fantastic. But also, if we are dealing with them being in the situation where they're not supposed to tell anyone, Percy told Uncle Rick the scribe by the conceit of the demigod files, which is people telling stories to Uncle Rick. So... I don't know if Percy really held up his end of the bargain. Well, they didn't swear on the river sticks. Ah, so it's okay, as we've mm. learned by everyone. You can just do whatever you want if you don't swear on the river sticks. <laughs> just, I hope Hades doesn't go to a bookstore and pick up a copy of <laughs> Percy Jackson, The Demigod Files. Oh, he would not read a book about Percy. <laughs> no, yeah, that's true. That's true. He would just have it as like a coaster or something <laughs> at best. Hades stares at the sword in anger and something else like hunger. That's what Percy describes it as. He snaps his fingers and the Furies approach. He commands them to return it to the forges and to stay with the smiths until it is finished. When it is complete, they are to bring it back to him. They leave and Percy wonders how long it will be until he regrets this day because there's always a way around oaths. And of course, Hades will try to look for one. So Percy thinks that he is not going to be very happy about his role in this in the near future. Persephone calls Hades wise for making this choice. He says if he was wise, he'd lock her in her chambers. <laughs> and he starts to say, if you ever disobey me again, but then he lets it linger. He snaps his fingers, which I think was fun that that rhymed, and then he disappears. Persephone looks paler than her normal already pale and tells the team that they did well. She places three roses at their feet and says that when they crush them, they will return to the surface. Percy then realizes that making the sword was her idea, which explains why Hades wasn't there when she was briefing them on this mission. 
He bets that Hades didn't even know it existed. She says, nonsense. And I am very much in on Hades being a level-headed dude. And Mm -hmm. I've long hoped and guessed that he might come in and be helpful, especially in the Olympus versus Titan stuff. Obviously, you can't comment on that. But just from the perspective of Hades being more on board with being logical than people are giving him credit for, I think that that's becoming a bit of a theme. And I really like it. I like the approach that he's not evil just because he's the lord of the underworld. He kept to the oath and he doesn't necessarily want this sword. It seems like he's, you know, for the most part, making sound decisions when he can. I agree. Mm-hmm. Nico is furious, though, saying that Percy is right of this whole Persephone situation. He guesses that she wanted Hades to make the sword and that Hades said no because it was too dangerous. Thalia then jumps in because she also agrees, saying then it was stolen, you shut down the underworld, you couldn't tell him what happened, and you needed us to retrieve it, so you used us. Persephone, of course, dodges the question, as all gods, goddesses, and chirons do. (laughs) She says that the important thing is that Hades now accepted the sword, and it will make him as powerful as the big three when it is complete. The underworld will now be safe against Kronos or any other threat. And Percy groans that the three of them are now responsible, and she says that they've been helpful, and she will reward them for their silence. But Percy says, get lost before I carry you down to the lethe and throw you in. (laughs) Bob will help me, won't you, Bob? And Bob (laughs) confirms. Persephone's eyes widen, and she disappears in a poof of daisies. Our team prepares to part ways with Nico saying that he will stay and look after Bob and work to train him to do something good. So I love him being in addition to the team. Feels like a reformed titan could be a very useful person to have on your squad. That would be great. That would be super cool. We'll have to see if it happens. Percy asks if Nico is sure that he wants to stay here and be stuck with Persephone. Nico says that he has to because he wants to grow closer to Hades and become his advisor instead of her, which I think is very Mm. cool. It could be a very fun future for Nico. We'll just have to see. Percy says to call him if he needs anything. Nico asks if Percy remembered his offer from the end of book four. Percy says he's still thinking about it. And at this point, I was reminded of it and we still don't know what it is. And I really want to know what it is. Thalia asks what offer, and Percy says that it's a way to fight Kronos, but it's dangerous, and he's had enough danger for one day, so <laughs> maybe we'll table this discussion for later. Thalia asks Percy if he's still up for dinner, because cheeseburgers were promised at the very beginning <laughs> if they got out of this alive, and I was certain to make sure this promise would be fulfilled, and I'm very glad it was. So Percy, in response, smiles and asks if she's really hungry after all of this. And I'm thinking, how could you be anything else? (laughs) Even Hades was hungry. (laughs) Yes, maybe a different hunger. Well, yeah, but still, you know. Well, you go through rough physical stuff. You've been attacked. You've traveled a lot. You've walked a lot. You have done some scary swimming. You need to get some food in you. I'm surprised that Percy is surprised that Thalia wants to grab food. Thalia did the whole boulder of Sisyphus up and down. Like, holy moly. Of course, she needs to replenish. She needs to get some protein in her so she can get the gains after that workout. (laughs) Thalia says even immortals have to eat and suggests that they grab burgers at McHale's, which I don't think that's a place in New York. I think it's just a made-up name. Maybe it's like a last name of a friend of Uncle Rick and he worked it in there. Yeah, I mean, if he put Shake Shack, he probably has to pay them, so. Yeah, I am intrigued by when brands get name-dropped. If there mm-hmm. is anything you have to do 
but that's a publishing question. But of course, I'll ask Uncle Rickett on the very of important course. Yes, yes. list of questions that I have. Narrator Percy closes out this story by saying, quote, and together we crushed the roses that would return us to the world. And I thought when he said, and together we crushed, I thought he was going to say, and together we crushed some cheeseburgers. <laughs> like, I thought he meant that kind of crush. But no, they crush the roses, they go back to the world, and that is the end of the Demigod Files, and that is the end of this portion of the episode of The Newest Olympian. <laughs> if you're listening at home, you're going to have the mid-roll break, and then we'll do the Q&A after. Hello and welcome to the Demipod Files, the final Demipod Files, because the Demigod Files are about to end. This is Texas edition of the Demipod Files. I am back in Barb and Joel's place, just stopping here for a couple of days before Kelly's brother's med school graduation. Congratulations! But let's talk about podcast update stuff. By the time you are listening to this, I will be ready to go back on tour. There are going to be some shows in the very near future if you live in the Pacific Northwest, because there is a Seattle show on May 24th and a Vancouver show on May 26th. And then you probably know about the Cleveland, Detroit, and Toronto shows on June 14th, 16th, and 18th that I've been talking about. But as of this past Friday, there's a new crop of tickets live for sale. That is for Hartford on July 15th, Chicago on August 7th, Milwaukee on August 8th, and Minneapolis on August 10th. You can get tickets to all of those shows at thenewsolympian.com slash live. Also, if you go to the TNO Instagram, you can see the new exclusive Torth America stickers that Kelly designed for us. They are gorgeous. They are so beautiful. I'm so excited to have those at the show. And if you're looking to get some other merch and you want to go to those Canadian shows, look, it's a great way to save on shipping and any sort of international taxes. I will have merch items from the merch store. And if you're not going to these shows, you can go to thenewsolympian.com slash merch to get those things such as Riptide pens and TNO socks and shirts and pigeon things, all sorts of fun stuff. From a scheduling perspective, just want to remind everyone that we are off next week just because May is a five-Monday month, so I am taking that Monday off. But fear not if you are looking for Mike Schubert-related content because there will be a new Potterless episode. It's going to be from an old Milwaukee live show where I did a solo show. I did joking TED Talks about Harry Potter topics, one about how my Hermione 3 theory where she's splitting into three is actually better than what actually happens in the third book with the time turner, and then also one about how it actually would have been better if Ludo Bagman was the bad guy like I predicted. Very silly, very goofy, and that will be over on the Potterless feed. Just search for Potterless wherever you get your podcasts. From a correction perspective, there's a couple of things to touch on. First and foremost, I was wondering what basketball players Percy might enjoy, and I was doing this live show in Germany, and I didn't mention Dirk Nowitzki, and that's just a huge oversight on my part, so I would like to apologize to the entire country of Germany. And from an actual correction perspective, folks let me know after last episode that I've been saying Iapetus's name wrong. I've been saying Iapetus, and that's the problem with the way this podcast works sometimes, which is that I will record things far in advance, and multiple times in advance before I learn the correct way to say things by posting an episode. So oopsie doopsie, I will be ready to go to pronounce that name properly. If it comes up in the future, shout out to all the folks who let me know. And I think there's also some question about how to pronounce what I was saying is melano. Some people are wondering if it's melanoi or melanoi. I'm just waiting for Hades to the video game to come out and I'm going to say it however they say it. <laughs> 
And finally, from a fun features perspective, if you listen to the podcast on Spotify, you may have noticed that if you listen till the end, there is now an interaction feature where I ask a question at the end of the episode, and then also there is a poll. Usually the question is just, what did you think of the episode? Give me any sort of feedback, unless there's a specific question that I'm curious about. And then the poll, I've been switching to some things about the episode, and recently I did it to say, did you or did you not have an issue with the whole skipping, repeating audio situation? Because I'm still trying to hunt that down. It seems like we've made improvements, but it still seems like some folks are having that issue. So just wanted to let you know, if you're listening on Spotify and you stick through to the end, then you can tell me what you thought of the episode. Give me some important feedback and just interact. I read all of the responses, so I would love to hear from you if you stick to the end of the episode on Spotify. Speaking of folks being helpful, there are so many folks who are supporting the show on Patreon, and I cannot thank you all enough. And I want to give a shout out to the folks who have joined our team most recently. So shout out to our newest super god tier patron, Jessica Phillips. Shout out to our new God tier patron Thick Boy 3000, and shout out to our newest demigod tier patrons Michael Daggett and Pigeons for President. Thank you all so much for your support. May Hestia bless you so that the temperature in your home is always perfect, not one degree too high or too low, or if you use Celsius, not a half a degree too high or half a degree too low. Now let's talk about the sponsors for this episode. First, this episode is sponsored by Annie's Kit Clubs. Let's say hypothetically that you are a camper at Camp Half-Blood, and let's just say that you are one of the campers who might not be sent on the quests. This is obviously in the pre-Kronos War Camp Half-Blood. You're looking for stuff to pass the time. What could you do? You could do some crafting. Maybe you're doing some knitting. Maybe you want to learn how to do some knitting. Maybe you do crocheting or scrapbooking or quilt making, anything like that. If you wanted to further that hobby or learn a new hobby, what could you use? You could use Annie's Kit Clubs. Annie's Kit Clubs deliver creativity right to your mailbox. You get a new shipment every single month with supplies and instructions to make something beautiful. So whether you like crocheting, quilting, knitting, or other crafts, they have a club for you. And they even offer clubs to try a variety of crafting techniques if you just want to get into crafting and you're not sure what to do. I've seen folks in the crowd knitting at my live shows, and I think that's fantastic. So it feels like this sponsor is right up your alley. I was very excited when they reached out about sponsoring the show. Felt like a perfect fit, so you all might be excited, especially because you can get 50% off. Let's talk about that in a second. I first want to talk about the box that I received. They also have crafting boxes that you can do with kids. And I got one for my niece Aurora. And it's this fun box where you can make a frame with glitter in it. And there's also a calendar that you can paint and put together that's a days until my birthday calendar. Aurora's very big into her birthday. So this was perfect. Getting to do those crafts together was adorable and it's beautiful and it's so much fun. And I can't recommend it enough. The packaging was gorgeous. Everything is fantastic. So if this sounds interesting to you, you can go to annieskitclubs.com and you can use the promo code Mike50, M-I-K-E-5-0 at checkout and you'll get 50% off your first kit. That's annieskitclubs.com, A-N-N-I-E-S-K-I-T-C-L-U-B-S.com and use the promo code Mike50 and you'll get 50% off your first kit. So if you want to take on a new hobby or further a hobby or do some fun crafts while you just wait around a Camp Half-Blood for something interesting to happen, you could use Annie's Kit Clubs today. This episode is also brought to you by Athletic Greens. Now, let's say that you are in the actual Kronos wartime of Camp Half-Blood, and you got to be ready to go because at a moment's notice, there might be an invasion. You want to make sure you've got your vitamins and minerals in your body in case you got to go fight somebody. What could you use to get that done? You could use Athletic Greens. 
I started taking Athletic Greens when I was traveling, and I have been traveling quite a bit, and that travel is about to come to an end. And I still took Athletic Greens when I was not traveling. I had a big tub of it in my fridge, and if I was ever feeling like I needed to get more vitamins and minerals in my system because I wasn't feeling it from the food I'm eating, because usually I get those from my fruits and vegetables, if I felt like I needed a little extra bit, I used Athletic Greens, and it was very simple. You just take a scoop, you put in water, you stir it around, or you can put it in a bottle and shake it up. It mixes really easily, and then boom, you've got your daily vitamins and minerals all set. Tons of people take some sort of daily multivitamin, and it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb, and that is the case for Athletic Greens, and you know that you are getting good stuff with them because there's no artificial anything in there, and they only use the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iteration and third-party testing. So if you want to arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, you can do that with Athletic Greens, and to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash newest Olympian. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash newest Olympian to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So if you want to be ready to go in case Kronos attacks at a moment's notice, you can start using Athletic Greens today. Now, if you're all caught up with the newest Olympian and you're looking for a new podcast to listen to, there's a whole bunch of podcasts that I make. One of them is called Horse. It's a comedic basketball podcast that I co-host with my buddy Adam Amawala, who is a full-time stand-up comedian and a huge basketball fan. We talk about the NBA and the WNBA, and we talk about current stuff and history. And if you're a fan already and you want to learn more or you're new and you're considering maybe understanding what people are talking about when they talk about fun folks like Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, you could listen to Horse. And now's the perfect time to listen because the NBA playoffs are going on. The WNBA season just started. It's prime hoop time right now. So you can get listening and understand what's happening in the wide world of basketball, which is very entertaining. You don't have to know what the sport is. And we explain how the sport works throughout these episodes. So don't worry. It's a no gatekeeping podcast and you can listen to it by searching for Horse or wherever you get your podcasts or by going to horsehoops.com. Now, before I wrap up here, you're going to hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. going to be less because of the other ads that we had in the mid-roll here, but some of those ads will be read by me. Others of them won't. The ones that are not read by me are inserted locally, so if you live in Texas, don't be surprised if you hear an ad with a Texan accent. But once those ads are complete, we'll get back into this episode of The New Stumpian to do the Q&A from this live show. This episode of The New Olympian is brought to you by Thrive Market. Now, at Camp Half-Blood, they are cooking up a whole bunch of fun stuff at the cafeteria. But we never really hear about where they supply all of the things for the cafeteria. I'm not sure where they get their stuff, but you know where they should get their stuff? Thrive Market. Thrive can be your go-to for all of your grocery and household essentials, and it has been my go-to. I've got a bunch of stuff from Thrive now, and I genuinely enjoy all of it. I've got Thrive trash bags, dishwashing detergent, snacks, rice, beans, things that wash my dishes, like scrub brushes and stuff. They have a lot of really great deals. I've been capitalizing on those deals, and I have truly been enjoying using Thrive Market. I love a lot of things about Thrive. I love that they only allow trusted top-quality ingredients while restricting harmful ingredients like artificial flavors, high-fructose corn syrup, and more. And whether you are looking for organic kid snacks, high-protein essentials, whatever it is, you can curate your own shopping experience with a few clicks. They've got all these different filters and stuff like that, different categories. I utilize those when I was looking for particular items, and it was really easy to navigate the site. I always have a simple time finding what I'm looking for. And it's not just saving time. I'm saving money as a Thrive Market member. I'm looking at my stats right now. My average savings per order are $34.98. On my last order, I saved almost $50, and I got a whole bunch of things for my pantry. I got hand soap refills. I got chicken broth. I got rice. I got beans. I got kitchen towels. It was great. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash 
slash TNO for 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash TNO, thrivemarket.com slash TNO, so you can be as well-stocked as the Camp Half-Blood cafeterias are today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. This episode of The New Olympian is brought to you by Straight River Coffee. If you've been listening to The New Olympian and you're thinking, my goodness, I would love to pair this podcast with a nice warm cup of joe, but not just any nice warm cup of joe, but specifically TNO branded coffee. Well, you are in luck because TNO coffee exists. That's right. We have partnered with Straight River Coffee, which is a small independent business that is made up of folks who listen to The New Olympian and we have teamed up to make TNO coffee. So there is a specific roast from Straight River coffee called Anna Clues Roast. I came up with the name. I think it's very good. And you can get a one pound bag of coffee from them if you go to the newsolympian.com slash merch. I'm not a coffee drinker, but multiple people have told me that the coffee tastes very good and smells incredible. And here's the description of the coffee from Straight River. Sourced from the finest fair trade beans, our collaborative blend boasts flavor notes of nutty caramel and rich chocolate, ensuring each sip transports you to a realm of excitement and wonder. It's cool. The bags were also made by an environmentally friendly bag company and the art design on the bags, which yes, is a pigeon drinking a cup of coffee. Those were made by another independent artist, Ava Hess, who does some incredible artwork as well. So it's a bunch of small businesses and independent creators teaming up to make this coffee happen. And it's really cool. And it also ships free internationally. So it doesn't matter if you live in the US or not the US. The price listed is the price. No extra shipping fees. It's super cool. And you can get a pound of this wonderful coffee delivered to you or multiple, I think. You, you can probably get more than one bag. I don't know. But go to thenewsolympian.com slash merch. Scroll down, click the link about the coffee, and then boom, you can get some Anna Clues roast in your cup today. And then you can perfectly pair TNO coffee with your TNO podcast. And now we can get into some Q&A. So we've got some fun questions. We'll do this for a little bit. And then we got to get out of here because we have another show. And uh, you got to get out of here and come back. Unless you bought tickets to both shows. Whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> so. This first question is from Martina. It says, I came from the land of the sound of music and then put a flag, which thanks to context clues, I know is the Austrian flag. <laughs> says, hey, Mike, I love the show and the Spider-Man socks. Thank you. Here are a few questions. Of all the new characters we've met in the Demigod Files, who do you want to see more of in the future? So there are some characters that were already established, but people we met, it would be Clarice's brothers. It would be Bob the Titan. Yes, it would yes. be Melano, the whatever she is. Mm -hmm. It would be, I guess, Persephone, because we haven't seen her yet. True. And yeah. then did we meet anyone new in the... I mean, there were the ants in the, the Beckendorf and Selena There story. was that, like, giant dragon. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, the giant gold dragon. Uh, yeah, I think for me, it'd be, it would be between... Because it, this is a recurring theme, I guess, in the Demigod Files, mm -hmm. is, like, thing that was sort of a scary threat turned into an ally. So either mm -hmm. giant gold defense dragon that Beckendorf was like, I'll try to fix it, or big scary titan that Nico was like, I'll try to fix him. <laughs> so I would say one of the two of them would be my pick. Any any other thoughts for you? Or are you on the same reasoning? Yeah, I think that would be cool. It would be very fun. We'll just have to see. Continuing on, I'm currently writing a fan fiction about Percy Jackson from the point of view of an unclaimed demigod. If you would write such a story, from whose perspective would you write it? So I'm guessing just like 
fan fiction to write, if I was going to write Percy Jackson fan fiction, which I will not be doing. <laughs> but if I was going to do it, I would do it from the perspective of Blackjack. I love Blackjack. Big oh, fan. Yeah. Big, big fan. Love that a lot. That would be my choice. What about you? Boss, why'd you send me to get these meatloaf sandwiches? Yeah, come on. Ooh, hmm. It goes back to like one of our first episodes together. Mm -hmm. I'd love to get a day with George and Martha. Yes, like, that's a good that one too. so good. good. Yeah, they got to come back. I missed that. Yep. Um, finally, Martina asks, have you ever been to Austria? It's really great over there. I have. I went to Austria way back with Johnny. We did a trip where we did like Prague and then Vienna because it was pretty close mm. to get there by train. And there were no delays on those trains. <laughs> and it was great. It was, it was very lovely. It was a very different vibe because... I felt like Prague was very old school and then Vienna had like much more like newer, more modern stuff. And it was, it was fun. We ate a whole lot of sausages and drank a whole lot of beer, which felt like, again, the right thing to do. <laughs> so this one is from, is it Eleni? Is that how I say it? Eleni, thank you. Eleni says, hi, Shubes. Thanks for coming to Europe. We appreciate it. So we know that different rivers in the underworld have different powers, lethe, memory loss, etc. If you could choose the name and magical power of a river in the underworld, what would it be? Love the podcasts. So we've got to make an evil river and then name it. And I don't speak Greek. <laughs> but like an evil river. So I don't know what the river sticks exactly does. I just know it's like a mode of transport through the underworld. But then the lethe makes you forget things. I'm trying to think of what could be like an evil river that would do something bad. Do you have thoughts? I have a pun. Okay, go for it. I'll take it. I'll allow it. I was thinking the river stinks. The river stinks <laughs> and it makes you really smelly. Yeah. I like that. That's a good one. I like that. But it stinks. S-T-Y-N-X. The river stinks. Yeah, we'll yeah, go with yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that is a really good answer. Um, oh, I think if I had to pick one, it would be a river, and I would call it the River Sox, so S-O-X, uh, and it would be a river where you step in and then your socks are just always wet forever. Uh, the worst fate anyone could ever endure. And then you're stuck in the underworld, too. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, so let's uh, keep going. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Okay, this is from, is it Ava or Eva and Sophie? Ava, thank you. That's one of those, like, it's spelled the same. Mm -hmm. How do you say it? As I've long yeah. championed for Andrea and Andrea, one of them needs an accent over something. <laughs> anyway, Ava and Sophie say, hi, I hope you're enjoying Europe. I have one question and one fun little tip. Is humor received differently here versus the U.S. beside Europeans not knowing anything about basketball? And does it make the live shows different? I don't think that the humor is that drastically different. It just becomes risky whenever I make any sort of cultural reference mm -hmm. because I'll reference like a movie or a TV show and then it won't really go over well. On the flip side, though, I'll say something and I'll be worried like, ah, I bet they didn't watch this movie in Amsterdam or see this TV show in Copenhagen. And then the crowd erupts in laughter and it's like, <laughs> what the? Yeah. <laughs> like, Room Raiders made it over here yeah. from MTV2? <laughs> really? Like, that found its way across? But, you know, you'll make like a Space Jam reference and they'll be like, oh, I guess that's basketball. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's and then, it's hard for me to compare because I've only done one American show. Yeah, so it's yeah. Gonna, you know it's New York and nothing else. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say the only difference so far with that would be, oh no, here's the biggest difference. In mm -hmm. other shows, when I come back from intermission, I'll usually say something to the effect of like, oh, I hope you had a good intermission. I missed you all so dearly. And in the US, they just kind of laugh uh, because it's only been, you know, like 10 minutes. Universally in Europe, everyone has awed when I say that, <laughs> which I think is very sweet. So here's the little tip. And to my little tip, as Austrians, we must recommend, is it 
Almdudler? That. It's an Austrian herb soda that is truly incredible and you can buy from pretty much any supermarket in this area of Germany. I'll have to get some mm. herb soda. Sounds super interesting. Yeah. I will give that a shot. Okay, this next one uh, is from Amber. It says, I drove 400 kilometers to Munich today. That's 250 miles. So thank you for the context. What is funny <laughs> though, is there was someone else who said they traveled 400 kilometers and I Googled mm -hmm. it backstage to see how far it was and I saw that it was 250 miles. I'm only not answering your question because it was the same question that someone else asked, so you'll hear it in a future episode. But for Amber with the 250 miles, I come from driving in Texas where 250 miles, it's like four hours. It's like nothing, <laughs> but... I understand in Europe that's different, especially because if you cross over country borders, I understand that that can be like a bit of a hassle mm -hmm. and that's a lot. So like, I get it. Like that's far, 400 kilometers, quite far. So you've done a lot. I'll answer your question. Hi, first of all, <laughs> cool socks in all caps. Thank you very much. Two questions. One, since this is your last stop on the tour, what was your favorite part slash city and the biggest difference between being in the US? So I feel like we've kind of answered that with the show difference. I would mm -hmm. guess just like the biggest difference though in the US would be What's very nice is that for the most part, for all of the cities here, when you land to an airport, there's usually a train that connects to the airport and just takes you into the city. Yeah. And that is not universally the case in the US. You can get that at particular airports in New York mm -hmm. or in San Francisco, they have that, but it's just not a guarantee. Whereas pretty much every single city that we went to had either a bus or a train where it was like, you can get on this and you'll be where you need to go. And it was really easy. And yeah. that has been delightful. On the flip side, one of the biggest travel things that's different is we had to check bags a lot just because mm -hmm. in the US, like usually you've got bigger planes with bigger overhead stuff. So you can bring a big suitcase. So unfortunately we've had to like check bags. We haven't had anything lost, so that's okay. But we've <laughs> just had to like deal with it. <laughs> takes longer. So, But though that takes longer, boarding the plane is way quicker because yeah. they're just like, boarding groups, come on through. And then you just like <laughs> scan it and there's usually not even a person. Like that's been way more efficient. So yes. it's like this weird thing where like certain aspects take longer, but not all of them. And like security mm -hmm. over here, even though there's no TSA pre-check has gone through. So like travel has weirdly evened out to be like, the same. <laughs> it's just like mm -hmm. different things take longer, but then for sure getting into town is way easier. And that's oh, yeah. so much nicer. Any differences between the US and Europe aside from the obvious? I mean, yeah, you gave that. Um, Language differences. Yes. You know? yeah. As far as favorite part city, I'm, I don't want to pick because, you know, they've all been wonderful and I've only just got to Munich, so it's hard to say. Uh, but I think everything has just kind of been fun in its own different way. Like each city is, is very different and they all have their different quirks about it. If I had to pick something though, the only like vacation-y part that Kelly and I did was we went up when we were in Finland to the Lapland area and did a whole Northern Lights trip, which was super fun. But that's biased because like everything else has been work uh, and that was the only <laughs> like vacation. So it was kind of like an easy thing to pick. But this tour has very much been more driven by doing shows as opposed to, you know, vacationing and mm -hmm. stuff like that. The final question here is, if Percy and Harry ever met, do you think they'd get along well? And if not, who would get annoyed by whom first? <laughs> No. I do not think they would get along well. I think that Percy would get annoyed by Harry just from Harry being like a little too self-centered and <laughs> all of that. Whereas Percy, you know, he's a good friend. He's got a, yeah. like a good read on situations. I think he'd be grumpy for Harry, like not seeing outside of his peripheral. That'd be my vote. What about you? Yeah, I don't think they would. I don't think he would like him very much. Nope. Um, I don't think he'd be mean to Harry. I just don't think he'd no. just like... I think it would just be this a vibe guy. of like, I don't really like this person that yeah. much. Mm -hmm. And on that perfect crossover note, we can close out the show. So thank you all so much for coming out. Give yourselves a round of applause for making it out. 
especially because the show was early and a lot of you traveled here, so that is awesome. Give it up to Steven for being a fantastic guest. And give it up to the wonderful venue here that I've realized I've never had to say out loud, Heppel and Eitlich. Is that how you? <laughs> They've been great. Mario has been fantastic. We've been working with emails. He did the mm -hmm. sound, like all that stuff. So give Mario a round of applause. That's been awesome. We got to get out of here because the next group of folks have to get let in. So uh, you know, make yep. your way out. You can still get merch if you want to, but we got to start prepping for the next show and everything. But thank you very much. We'll have to come back to Munich in the future until we make our way back. Until then, I'll pursue you later. Thanks so much for coming out, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The News Olympian. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Mike Schuber. I also run the social media and the website. Our editor is Sherry Guo. The music is by Bettina Kampamanis and Brandon Krugel. And the art is by Jessica E. Boyd. If you love the show, you're all caught up on the show, and you just can't get enough, you should check out our Patreon, where you can get access to loads of bonus content, bonus episodes, bloopers, director's commentary, monthly Q&A live streams. All sorts of good stuff lives at thenewsolympian.com slash Patreon. And if you want to rep the show, you can get some merch at thenewsolympian.com slash merch. If you want to be part of a larger community, you can join the Patreon, get access to our Discord, but you can also check us out on social media. We're at News Olympian on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We have a subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash the News Olympian. We even have a TikTok account that Sherry runs. It's at News Olympian. Lots of good stuff on social media. This show wouldn't be possible without our patrons, and I want to give a shout out to our ultra god tier patrons, Lada Bartova, Kelsey Gillespie, The Damn Steam Nuggets, Vicky Garcia, Ellie Hoskovchova, Veronica Bartova, Haley Hastings, Robin Garcia, Frida Vickstrom, Megan Moon, Olivia Y, Craig McRoberts, Taylor Payne, Giselle Salvador, Peter Johnson, The Twins, Sabrina Balsiger, Bony Pony, Heather McMillan, Casey Williams, Polly Burge, Nikki Harris, Tatiana Schmidt, Sandra Rose, Bridget Lowry, Josh Sayer, Josh Wilkie, Abby Ryan, Wise Girl, Ashton Gabrielson, Marco Redhouse, Falcon, Joey James, Christopher William Boucher, Caden Max, Sam Sam Reby, Carly Allen, Riley Kitas, Mary Kelly, Audra, Mackenzie, Mrs. O'Leary, Aaron Wood, Rodith Kalna, Milo Kim, Fred Cabras, Harlan Christ, Cece Reeds 23, Sankoff, Julia Kendall, Emil Oscar Thomason, Liz Cardigan, Michelle Spurgeon, Zachary Hamilton, Sarah Neal, Ricky, Francesca Pacheco, John Drillsma, Demigod Nurse, Rayla Matthews, Riley Dragon, Luna Kadoon, Sky Mallory, Elizabeth Obermiller, Aiden Parziani, Biggest Tyson fan, Hunter Landstrom, Captain Jack Rackham, and Sky Captain and the Princess. If you want to help out the show in a non-monetary way, tell a friend about the show. That really helps a ton. Reach out to someone directly and say, hey, you love Percy Jackson, or hey, you've been looking for an excuse to read Percy Jackson. There's this podcast. It's very good. The host is very humble. You could also talk about us on social media or leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast app you're using. All these things help, and I really appreciate all of you who have done that or will do it in the future. But I'm just so thankful that you tuned into this episode, and I hope you tune into our next episode, which is not coming out next week. It's coming out the week after. Just a reminder, we're taking that last Monday in May off, but we will be joined by Red from Overly Sarcastic Productions as we discuss the myths in book four. But until then, I'll see you later. Hey, how's it going? It's me, ASMR Mix. So I'm going to take a break from the phone recording ASMR Mix segments, and I'm actually going to give you a bit of a taste of the place I'm recording. I'm in my sister's old closet at Barb and Joel's place in Texas, and I'm just going to start tapping around on some things. There's a picture frame over here on the side, so I'm going to run my fingers on the frame and also click my nails on the uh, glass portion. And by glass, I mean plastic. I'm going to turn the door handle in and out. There's also a purse hanging from it, hence some of the other noise. There's also a shoebox over here. And then some shirts with some hangers. Um, and some, some loose hangers. Some of them are plastic, some of them are wire, some of them are wood. What a fun time we've had here. I hope you enjoyed. Thank you for listening.